We don't often think of the harpsichord when you think of contemporary classical music, but that is a solo harpsichord piece by a contemporary classical composer by Patricia Moorhead. We heard Turbion Galaxy for solo harpsichord. That was Jory Vinicor performing. Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bostead, and it is my great pleasure today to have Patricia Moorhead in the studio. Pat, welcome. Thanks so much for coming down and being a guest today. Oh, my pleasure. It's just fantastic to have you. You've been such a huge force in new music in Chicago in general, as uh, as you know. In fact, we were just talking about how Claire Chase and I and several people used to call you the, the fairy godmother, as I like to say now, <laughs> of new music in Chicago. For me as a composer, you've been instrumental in uh, helping me get my music out. The first performance I ever had was actually at the Green Mill. So uh, you introduced me to George Flynn and made that happen. So you've just helped so many people and been such a force in new music. Tell me a little bit about that harpsichord solo. Why did you write a piece for a solo harpsichord? Well, Jory Vinicor asked me to write a new piece for his new CD, which is just coming out. And I wanted to challenge him. And he said it's the hardest harpsichord piece (laughs) he's ever had to learn. (laughs) It's just a a brief three minutes. But the way it's held together is very tight cannons that are a 16th note apart. So it's constructed with a really interesting fabric, which turned out to be really complicated to do on the harpsichord. But Jory does a wonderful job. Yeah, it's a great piece. Is it a relatively recent piece? Just last year. Okay, so that's a, a was that a performance that we heard? That was a that's the recording for his CD. Okay, we're going to listen to "Good News Falls Gently." Tell us about this piece. Uh, the, I asked Regina Harris Biaki to write uh, poetry for this, and in this piece, God, the Holy Ghost, and so on are portrayed as women rather than men. In the poetry. Janita Lattimore sings the soprano part, and it was written to be played in Italy. It was premiered in Trani, Bari, and Rome by the Bari Orchestra. So that was a very exciting performance for me at that time. And then we got to do it here in Chicago with Janita Lattimore, wonderful, wonderful soprano, and with Cube and my husband conducting a chamber orchestra. So this was actually your concept, and you asked a poet to flesh it out with poetry? Well, I asked Regina. I was desperate for some poetry, and my friend Regina is a wonderful composer and poet, and she said, I don't usually let anybody else set my poetry, but I'll do you a favor. And she wrote me these three poems, and it's Mm quasi-religious. And then it's a piece that is, I tried, and because of Good News Falls Gently, because of the central poem, I tried to write a Negro spiritual for the centerpiece. And uh, then there's a quasi-minimalist last movement. But um, it was a lot of fun to write. I had to write it in 10 days. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Did you challenge yourself to do that? Or is that... Well, uh... it was just time was running out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it got wonderful performances in Italy. But we, I had a fantastic singer here. Let's have a listen. This is Good News Falls Gently. We're going to hear Janita Lattimore, soprano. And this is Philip Moorhead conducting the Cube Ensemble, which Pat also founded. Thank you. 
heard Janita Lattimore, soprano, singing Good News Falls Gently. Philip Moorhead conducted the Cube Ensemble. Music by Patricia Moorhead, who is my guest today. Pat, tell us about the Cube Ensemble. That was actually the first new music ensemble that I ever heard when I was your student at Roosevelt at the Cultural Center. And uh, I thought it was so cool, an ensemble performing nothing but new music. Uh, What was the history of the Cube Ensemble? I feel it's so important to feature the living composers' music in good settings with good musicians. And we particularly focused on composers from Chicago. I thought that was a really important contribution to make. I love playing the oboe, so of course I always encourage people to write for my instrument. But Cube was much broader than that. And really, uh, at the time that we started, new music was not very much a part of the Chicago musical life. And since we've started it now, there are more than 30 new music groups in Chicago. And I'm very proud of that because there are more than 200 composers needing their music played in this city. So there can't be too much of it. But it's so vital for composers to grow and develop by hearing their music played in a live performance. And it just I've been involved with that ever since I started to play the oboe. It just It's a really important part of my life. Mm-hmm. How have you balanced teaching and composing and running a new music ensemble? How does that all fit together? <laughs> <laughs> well, some days I'm, uh, I, I've now passed Cube on to a new artistic director. Her name is Hope Litwin because it's time for me to just dedicate most of my time to writing music. I find the teaching is very inspiring, keeps me young, but I, if, I, writing every day is very difficult when you have all these hats to wear at the same time. So I'm taking off a few hats at this point in time so that I can finish my opera. Well, speaking of the opera, let's move to an excerpt from Black Hawk Speaks. This is Black Hawk, the, the Sauk Indian. This is a Sauk war chief. Um, it's about the ethnic cleansing of Ohio, Illinois, and Indiana, a very unfortunate period in American history. Black Hawk really fought. The, his last stand was at Prairie du Chien in the Mississippi River. And the American uh, military, the militia at that time, slaughtered, I would say, 95% of the Sauk Indians, to the extent where there are very few Sauk Indians left today. It's a fascinating story because it's a, it's, it has a lot to do with where we live right here. But it, it is also a tragic story. I call it Black Hawk Speaks, an American tragedy. He was actually arrested and put in jail. He fought the war in Prairie du Chien when he was 66 years old. Mm -hmm. But he was paraded on the East Coast as a trophy in his Indian garb, but he also wore a medal that the President of the United States had given him. So it's a really culturally interesting story. And he fought in the American Revolution on the side of the British, right? He had, I mean, just well, an incredible Brit- life. <laughs> yes. Well, the Brits were uh, the Brits and the French got along with the Indians better than the Americans. For the Americans, as they moved west, they were very afraid of the Indians. Uh, I think unnecessarily so, but um, it's very debatable history. Uh, but in order to, for the Americans moving west, they decided to push the Indians to the western side of the Mississippi River. Unfortunately, you don't grow good corn at that time. And they would sneak back across the Mississippi River and plant their corn on the rich soil mm-hmm. of the eastern eastern side of the Mississippi River. So that, you know, it was one of these tragic stories. I know that Black Hawk, some of his children died. They spent the winter in Iowa and his children, some of his children froze to death. It's a really, really tragic story. Mm-hmm. But he was... 
married or I'm not sure the Indians use the word married, but in any case, he was with his wife, Singing Bird, his whole life. Mm-hmm. And a very, very wonderful relationship. And we've had to invent and fill in some of the uh, part of the story because Black Hawk wrote his uh, autobiography in prison, wrote it in, in sock, and so it's translated in English. And we've used that as kind of the outline for my operatic presentation of his story. Let's have a listen. This is the opening of Black Hawk Speaks. We're going to hear Vox 3 singing with Sari Chobi, pianist, and Michael McKelvin conducting.
Just a little bit of Black Hawk Speaks. That is an opera by Patricia Moorhead. We heard the Box Three singers with Sari Chobi pianist and Michael McKelvain conducting. Uh, Pat, you're still working on that opera. Tell us a little about the libretto. How did you find it? I met a colleague of mine at Columbia College, uh, Sharon Carlson, and she had on this wonderful cape with Indian feathers on it. And that's sort of what prompted me to speak to her. So she and her husband... She was just wearing that in the, in the school. She was just wearing that, and it was just one of those sort of events in my life. 
And she was very interested and has done libretti before. She's a wonderful singer as well as a teacher of uh, in voice over at Columbia. But she and her husband, who loves history, Richard and Sharon Carlson, are the librettists for my opera. And they've put an enormous amount of work into this, for which I am very thankful. Mm-hmm. And they've done so much research. Uh, so I look forward, to, we, we all look forward to when I finally get the whole thing pulled together. You're listening to Relevant Tones, a show featuring the music of contemporary composers. My guest today is Patricia Moorhead, composer, oboist, and founder of the Cube Ensemble. You can find more information about the show on our Facebook page or on our website at relevanttones.com. Patricia Moorhead is my guest today. Pat, let's move in a different direction musically. This is a piece called Just Before the Rain, and the version we're going to hear is for the pipa and the arhu and clarinet, too. But I think people know what the clarinet is. Tell us a little bit about the the pipa and the arhu and um, how you came to write for those instruments. Well, the piece was originally conceived for mandolin, cello, and clarinet. And then I met these wonderful performers, and they wanted a piece. And what I did was translate the piece to pipa, and Arhu, though the mandolin part went to the pipa, which is very much like a mandolin in, its, in the way it's played. It just has one note less, so I had to sort of rearrange it for that. And then the cello part had to go way up into the soprano voice of the Arhu. And I actually love this version, and it's been played in Beijing by student performers over there. They're just absolutely magnificent. But this is a wonderful performance with Yang Wei and Betty Zhang and wonderful clarinetist Christy Miller. Let's have a listen. This is Just Before the Rain by Patricia Moorhead. Thank you. 
heard a piece there called Just Before the Rain that was originally for mandolin, cello, and clarinet. In this incarnation, we heard the pipa, the arhu, and the clarinet. Christy Miller, Betty Shang, and Yang Wei performing music by Patricia Moorhead, who is my guest today on Relevant Tones. Pat, let's move to a really large ensemble, the orchestra. Usually when you write an orchestra piece as a composer, you know who you're writing for because we rarely just write an orchestra piece for the heck of it because it's so hard to get it performed. Was that the case with this piece? Uh, actually, I was asked to write a piece for orchestra by Russ Vinnick. Okay. At that time, it was the, the uh, Businessman's Orchestra, and now it's become the Metropolitan Orchestra. So I wrote it for that orchestra, and I tried to take into account the better players in the orchestra. But in any case, they performed it first, and then I had it recorded with the symphony orchestra in Kiev. And I'm from Winnipeg, Manitoba, so they recorded my piece at 20 below when there was no heat in the studio. I remember Robert Winston calling me, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I hope the intonation will be beautiful. (laughs) And it was. And it's a piece about Chicago. So it opens with getting up early in the morning and looking at all the high-rise buildings and, and wandering around the city. And then you go over to the lake and you look at all the sailboats out there. And then there's a storm. I've always wanted to write a storm scene. And then you go to a blues club at night. So that's kind of the outline of the piece. Let's have a listen. This is Robert Winston conducting the Symphony Orchestra of Kiev, Cityscape by Patricia Moorhead.
That was Cityscape, a piece that's evoking Chicago, the high-rise buildings, the sailboats on the lake, and then ending up at a blues club at night. Music by Patricia Moorhead, performed there by Robert Winston and the Symphony Orchestra of Kiev. So we're going to go from the blues club to anxiety, an anxious state of mind. Tell us about Ladders of Anxiety. Uh, Ladders of Anxiety uh, was born uh, out of a desire to write a piece, actually for Claire Chase. She originally premiered it for flute, guitar, and string trio. And my wonderful flutist friend and colleague, Caroline Pittman, loved the piece so much that she wanted to play it, too. So the recording you will be hearing is with Caroline Pittman. And the guitarist is James Bauer, and they're string players from the Avalon String Quartet. But in any case, once I decided to write for this combination, which is the combination that Claire asked for, I had to get started. How did I do this? Well, it was my charts from the doctor. Um, And so, um, I guess I can say this on the radio, it was bladder exam. So it became not bladders of anxiety, but uh-huh. ladders of anxiety. In any case, uh, the charts were for in five different colors, five different lines. And I decided, well, I would set the medical chart. And so okay. the piece got started that way. Now, if I'd used the entire medical chart, it would have been three hours long. So I used only the beginning, but it got me started. It's how to start a piece is always an interesting exercise and sometimes really difficult. Well, we won't be able to hear the whole thing, but we do have the whole piece on our website. So if you'd like to hear the whole piece, you can come to relevanttones.com. But now let's have a listen to as much as we can fit in of Ladders of Anxiety.
Well, I wish we could have played the whole piece, but if you want to hear it, it is on our website at relevanttones.com. That was an excerpt of Ladders of Anxiety, music that was inspired by medical charts. I think most people probably don't think to set that to music, <laughs> Pat, but in this case, <laughs> it, was, it was the inspiration for a very wonderful piece. Well, I draw inspiration wherever I can find it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. If that's what got you going, then, uh, you know, we're all the benefactors because we have a wonderful piece in the repertoire. We heard Carolyn Pittman on flute, James Bauer on guitar, and members of the Avalon Quartet String Trio. Pat, it's been such a pleasure having you today as my guest, listening to your music. Thanks so much for, for coming down. Well, and you have to know, Seth, that I am most proud of you as one of my former students. You have done so much and so creatively and with great inspiration, and it's just wonderful for the new music scene in Chicago to have Seth Bowstead. Well, thank you, Pat. It really means a lot. Relevant Tones is produced by Jesse McCorders, with special thanks to Katie McCarthy. For more information about the program and the artists we've featured, you can find us on Facebook or visit our website at relevanttones.com. Relevant Tones is brought to you in part by the generous support of Grosvenor Capital Management LP, the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music, an anonymous donor, DePaul University, and the listener supporters of the WFMT Fine Arts Circle. I'm Seth Bosted, and thanks for listening.